0: This is the podcast, Surgery I see Rounds. My name's Jeff Guy. Today is Saturday, March the 9th, 2008. The topic that I want to talk about today is something that gets fr- mentioned frequently on rounds, and I'm not exactly sure that everyone who's rounding with us really has an understanding of the importance of this topic, and that is drug-induced QT prolongation. You may also hear this sometimes called as prolonged QT syndrome. Uh, drug-induced um, long QT syndrome is typically characterized by an acquired QT interval prolongation, which results in the increased likelihood of a patient developing the cardiac arrhythmia torsades depons. For those of you who don't know what torsades is, torsades is a Y-complex arrhythmia that often looks like a, um, a coarse ventricular fibrillation. And it appears that these uh, wide QRS complexes twist around a, a central line almost like in a sinusoidal type fashion. This torsades de pons is usually self limited but can degenerate into ventricular fibrillation and obviously sudden cardiac death. A variety of medications, and many of these are common medications, have been implicated in uh, drug induced uh, long QT syndrome. And in fact, QT prolongation and the development of torsades are the most common reasons drugs are restricted or removed uh, from the uh, market within the United States. And The reference for that is uh, Lasser and colleagues in the Journal of the American Medical Association in the year 2002. Let's start our discussion by actually um, detailing what is a, a QT interval and how is it measured when one looks at an EKG tracing the QT interval is that interval that really um, measures from the point where the ventricular the uh, ventricle is depolarized uh, and through the point where the ventricle is repolarized and if you're looking at an EKG tracing this is from the point of the start of the uh, a QRS, QRS complex uh, to the end of the T wave now in a normal individual the QT intervals will vary uh, for a variety of reasons, we can see variations throughout the day, secondary to diurnal effects. Uh, electrolyte imbalances may cause changes in the QT interval, uh, uh, autonomic fluctuations, uh, and even the way the EKG is acquired, uh, the way that where and, uh, the technician places the uh, leads. QT intervals can be shortened uh, with uh, uh, increasing uh, heart rate and tachycardia and can be lengthened with bradycardia. And therefore, since we have a lot of variation of the QT interval uh, between uh, individuals as well as within an interval, w- as well as within a particular in- individual, we have what's known as a uh, corrected uh, QT interval. And when you look at an EKG, this will often um, be uh, recorded as a, a QT with a lowercase c. Um, and this is a, a corrected QT interval, and we calculate it. Bizet, uh in an article at heart in 1920, actually uh, characterized uh, or detailed a way of uh, d- the uh, determination of a corrected QT interval. And the corrected QT interval is divide- is uh, uh, determined by dividing the longest QT interval by the square wo- root of the RR interval. There's really no consensus as to which is the best method of determining a corrected Qt interval, but this method described by Bizet in the 1920s uh, really appears to remain the gold standard for determination of the corrected Qt interval. So when we look at the EKG and we see this capital Q, capital T, and a small kc, what is really uh, an acceptable uh, corrected QT interval. Anything less than 440 milliseconds is clearly normal. Once you get above 440, you start to get into a gray zone, and where the QT interval, uh, the corrected QT interval, is not normal. And there are differences of the corrected QT interval based on gender. Uh, for men, um, the uh, uh, between 440 to 460 are considered borderline, and in women a uh, borderline QT interval is between 440 to 470 uh, milliseconds. What is clearly agreed upon is that women uh, will have longer corrected QT intervals than men. Now this is one of those things that I think is, is really interesting to look at in intensive care units because often people will get screening EKGs and they're looking for any kind of evidence of previous myocardial ischemia um, or an EKG is obtained because the patient's having hypoxia or hypotension or chest pain and we're looking for something acute um, that will change uh, or initiate a therapy immediately. But often a patient will make, may come to the uh, intensive care unit I really think it is a um, really part of the uh, ICU admission process that when we look at these EKGs we really need to be mindful of what this corrected QT interval is as uh, we should certainly uh, be considered of the medications that we use for a variety of medical conditions that may be complicated by a prolonged QT interval. Now let's just go back and review just some of the, the few things we've already talked about. The, what a QT interval on an EKG represents physiologically is the process of cardiac depolarization followed by the cardiac repolarization. So if you imagine the heart going through its motions, it's the firing and reloading of the electrophysiology of the heart. And that when we have a prolonged corrected QT interval our patients are at increased risk of developing the fatal, potentially fatal arrhythmia of torsades, the pons, and deteriorating into ventricular fibrillation or sudden cardiac death based on the usage of medications that are commonly used in intensive care units. And when you get into the underlying physiology of why we have uh, problems with Uh, prolonged QT syndrome and the development of torsades, it appears to be primarily mediated by the efflux of potassium ions. Now, not everyone who has a prolonged QT is going to develop torsades. and, And in fact, many patients with marked prolonged QT never develop torsades, although there are other patients who develop torsades with only minimal prolongation of their corrected QT interval. The literature has several other types of methods or evaluations of the EKG that are used to try to predict uh, patients who may be at risk for the development of torsades de pointes. These incu- include things like something called a QT dispersion, uh, QT intervals, and even something called T peak to T end measurements. But despite all of these other um, um, Evaluations of the EKG and, and many of them may be very uh, promising. The QT prolongation remains the most useful clinical tool at present to predict the risk of the development of torsades de Well, what are some of the risk factors? Uh, for patients treated with uh, uh, prolonging QT medications, and, and why do some patients perhaps will develop torsades and others won't? Well, there are several risk factors that will predispose patients um, to uh, drug-induced uh, Long QT syndrome and the development of torsades. Zeltzer and, and, and colleagues uh, evaluated uh, 245 incidents of torsades de pointes due to non-cardiac medications. And virtually all the patients who suffered from torsades had at least one risk factor. Uh, And 71% of those patients had multiple risk factors. Well, some of these risk factors, well, uh, female uh, sex was the most common risk factor and was present in 71% of the patients. Other common risk factors included structural heart disease, uh, and this includes things such as myocardial infarction, patients who have heart failure, valvular heart disease, and patients with cardiomyopathy. Uh, patients who had hypokalemia, um, patients who on multiple QT prolonging medications or drugs that may interfere with the metabolism of those medications also were considered uh, risk factors. Uh, and then, of course, there are those patients who had prolonged baseline of their q- corrected QT. And in this particular evaluation, that was with a, um, a QT interval, uh, a corrected QT interval of greater than 450 milliseconds. There are clearly those patients who have a family history uh, or congenital. Um, long QT syndrome, and prior drug-induced uh, torsades de pointes. Uh, other c- potential risk factors include hepatic impairment, bradycardia, atrial ventricular block uh, were also considered risk factors. So you can see that some of these are a little bit more uh, spec- specific as far as uh, risk factors for torsades, but some of them are, are very common, I mean namely uh, a female gender. Uh, people who have Uh, what's considered a structural heart defect in the form of myocardial ischemia or heart failure or cardiomyopathy. Uh, There are uh, some classes of genes that have been looked at uh, as uh, predisposing folks uh, to the development of uh, prolonged QT as well as genetic polymorphisms. Those are topics that if uh, you're interested in I would certainly recommend you delve into the literature but um, little bit more than uh, I want to get into in this particular podcast, but the thing that we really need to recognize is that there are identified medications that in, in standard practice in intensive care units, that if you identify somebody who has a, a, a long QT syndrome, you should certainly give pause um, as to what medications you are prescribing and certainly give review of the patient's medication list looking for things that may aggravate the um, uh, Q- long QT syndrome and maybe perhaps be responsible for degeneration into a potentially malignant rhythm. Now some of these medications will prolong the corrected QT syndrome and induce torsades in a dose dependent manner. So it's just not the fact that you have the patient on the medication but as you go up on the doses your actual risk for the development of Prolongation of the corrected QT and the development of torsades actually increases, and and this is because you're interacting with the potassium channel blockade. And as we said earlier, that you know, as we went into a cursory explanation as why patients will develop a prolonged QT, is that this mechanism appears to be mediated by potassium efflux. Well, one class of drugs, we look at the classes of drugs that are typically associated with prolongation of the QT uh... interval are drugs like antiarrhythmics, promotility drugs, antimicrobial drugs, psychiatric medications, uh... as well as uh, some analgesics, namely methadone. Now let's first focus on the antiarrhythmics. Now the torsades de pointes in this case is most commonly caused by the antiarrhythmic medications Patients taking these commonly will have organic heart disease, otherwise they typically would not be on an antiarrhythmic. And they often will take diuretics. The diuretics, as you know, uh, will cause hypokalemia, and we've already said that hypokalemia is one of those risk factors that will develop in the torsades. Remember that we said that patients who had a prolonged corrected QT syndrome that developed torsades, they frequently had the presence of one risk factor and and many of them had the risk of multiple risk factors so in this case you could have a patient has um, a heart uh, injury from myocardial ischemia or cardiomyopathy Uh, they may have female gender you put them on a diuretic you induce hypokalemia and you create uh, by the hypokalemia an additional risk factor. Um, Class 1a drugs in in the antiarrhythmics uh, typically include things like uh, quinidine or procainamide. Procainamide is probably not used nearly as much today as it was used 10-15 years ago, but it is still a um, drug that is used It's a very good drug and the thing with percanamide is that percanamide compared to the other drugs that are considered class 1a antiarrhythmics, procainamide is less likely to co- to cause torsades but y- when we use percanamide remember we do have a metabolite that we monitor for and um, uh... that's N- uh, acetylpercanamide or what we typically will call NAPA levels and that NAPA level has the potential to interfere uh, with the potassium effluxing properties of the cell. and Remember that that is the principal mechanism why we see prolongation of the uh, QT interval and therefore the patient is at increased risk for the development of torsades as the patient will develop higher uh, NAPA levels. Now this is particularly important in a patient who has altering renal function because as a patient's renal function becomes impaired they will develop higher levels of NAPA levels and therefore perhaps uh, predispose or increase the risk that the patient can experience an increase in their prolonged QT and or the development of torsades uh, if they already have a, a prolonged QT. Now class three antiarrhythmics are also very Potent blockers of uh, potassium flux, and they will prolong the corrected QT interval in a dose-dependent manner. So, the higher doses you go with these drugs, the the um, uh, the higher you'll see that prolongation of the uh, corrected QT interval. An example of a class three antiarrhythmic is sodalaw, and these drugs will actually uh, block the uh, potassium flux most effectively at low heart rates and therefore this gets into something called a reverse use dependency phenomena. And, and therefore as you're giving these drugs like Sotolol the risk of torsades actually increases with bradycardia which seems kind of paradoxical that your um, risk of a, a rhythm that looks like a, a V-fib is actually increased uh, in a situation where we're slowing the heart rate down and for sotolol the risk of torsades ranges from 0.8 to 3.8 percent according to an article uh, published by Lazara uh... in um, the uh, european heart journal back in 1993 and we see similar rates uh... for the development of torsades uh, with the other uh... class three antiarrhythmics uh, intravenous ibutilide um, has caused torsades uh, and it uh, it's been reported an occurrence rate an occurrence rate of 3.6 to 8.3% so significantly higher uh, when administered for conversion of atrial fibrillation or atrial flutter and the reference for that would be a, um an article by um uh, Ellen Bogan and colleagues in the journal of the American C- uh, College of Cardiology back in 1996 now amiodarone is a very popular drug it's a drug that I uh like a significant amount of, uh and it is unlikely to cause uh torsades de pons despite a significant QT prolongation and the incidence of torsades um with use of amiodarone at currently recommended doses is less than 1% Now let's go back and review some of the other medications or classes of medications that can cause uh, prolongation of the corrected QT interval, and that's namely the promotility medications. There was a drug that was used uh, very widely in the late 90s, a drug called cisapride, and it was used to treat gastroesophageal reflux disease and and other conditions where um, um, patients uh, needed a promotility agent. um, and it actually caused about 341 cases of prolongation of the QT, ventricular arrhythmias, uh, or cardiac arrest that were uh, reported to the Food and Drug Administration between the six-year period of 1993 to 1999, and therefore, in the year 2000, cisapride was removed uh, from uh, marketing within the United States. Drugs that are commonly used within the um, intensive care unit are, are antibiotics. Uh, we use a significant amount of antibiotics, unfortunately, um, and uh, macrolide antibiotics, such as erythromycin, uh, have been implicated in sudden cardiac death, secondary to, to uh to Sarad, Stepans, and, and also uh, erythromycin, you know, since Cisopride was taken away um, as a promotility agent, people will typically use erythromycin uh, as a uh, motilin analog. Um, and Um, So you've taken away the uh, Cisopride uh, because of its problems with promotility as a promotility agent Um, and then we have replaced that with erythromycin and we have some other um, some of the same uh, adverse effects. Some fluoroquinolones have been implicated as well as uh, uh, sporadic incidents of uh, development of torsades but the overall incidence of fluoroquinolone induced torsades upon secondary to a prolongation of the QT is uh, very low. And according to uh, several papers, there's really no evidence that currently available for quinolones cause the development of torsades-de-pons without underlying risk factors. So go back and, and review what those risk factors were when we talk about um, you know, people who had heart disease, uh, female genital family history, congenital uh, long QT, uh, and previous uh, Antiprotozoan uh, protozoan drugs and antifungal drugs um, have also been implicated in um, uh, QT prolongation and the development of torsades uh, probably most notable uh, is um botamidine. some of the antifungals th- uh, that are associated with the development of torsades include the ones such as uh, we use frequently such as uh, fluconazole itraconazole uh, ketoconazole and voriconazole and again these are unlikely um, to uh, result in the development of torsades unless the patient has some sort of pre-existing risk factors so again the scenario that I would go back on is if you're admitting a patient to the intensive care unit uh, you need to do a, not only a, a thorough uh, physical examination but your history also needs to look at do they have any kind of family history of sudden cardiac death um, um, what is their you know QT interval and cor- me corrected QT interval on the EKG and then and really determine are those medications being used to treat a specific infection or are they be using, being used empirically. Another class of drugs that gets used reasonably frequently in intensive care units are some psychiatric drugs. Phenothiazine classes as well as drugs such as droperidol and halidol have all been documented to result in uh, uh, the development of torsades in somebody who has a prolonged QT. Riley and colleagues in the journal Lancet uh, in uh, 2000 reported that about 8% of 495 psychiatric patients receiving medications had QT prolongation. thioridazine and uh proposed the uh, highest risks. QT prolongation has also been noted in patients receiving tricyclic antidepressants and once again it's usually not that it's isolated in in patients just receiving the medication but patients who had prolongation of the QT receiving the medication and uh, with additional risk factors. Lastly, one of the medications that we use significantly in our intensive care unit is the drug methadone. Methadone is a very effective long-acting oral uh, narcotic uh, that we can give down uh, the NG tube. It's also used probably uh, Uh, What people are most familiar with it, probably secondary to television, is uh, treatment for heroin addiction. But like I said it's great for the use of chronic pain. Um, Methadone does block some of the uh, potassium uh, cells and potassium efflux and therefore has the the ability to prolong the corrected QT interval and again in a dose-dependent fashion. Now in the 33 years between 1969 and 2002 59 cases of methadone induced long QT syndrome or torsades were reported to the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. So that's a very good uh, track record for that medication and of those uh, um, cases additional risk factor was found in 75 percent of the cases. There are some um, vitamins uh, that are associated with uh, development of uh, Prolong QT and uh, torsades, uh, uh, c- um, cesium, um, uh, licorice have also been um, implicated. Extracts from licorice, grapefruit juice, olive leaves, and red grape skins also inhibit some of the uh, um, mechanisms by which um, medications that do prolong the QT interval are metabolized. There are long, long lists of medications besides the ones we mentioned here that will result in a prolongation of the QT, or corrected uh, QT, and some of of them that we didn't mention, some antihypertensive medications such as uh, Diltiazem, Nifedipine, and Verapamil are inhibitors of the um, uh, metabolism pathway of of many of the drugs that are implicated in torsades. um, Medazolam, or Versed, is also an inhibitor of the uh, metabolic pathways. Um, It is impractical for any one individual to uh, maintain in their memory all the medications that can uh, result in a prolonged QT interval. Um, And there is, we'll typically do a Google search for prolonged QT. Websites and, and there are several that are out there. The University of Arizona certainly maintains uh, what I think is, is, a, is a great database of uh, drugs that will result in prolongation of the QT. And some of these websites, I'm going to list these off, are www.torsads.org, www.qtdrugs.org, uh, www.longqt.org, and www.sads.org. So finally as a simple review as to what do you do if uh, your patient is getting one of these drugs, they do have a prolonged uh, corrected QT and the rhythm does degenerate into uh, a uh, a torsades, well you simply have to follow the algorithms put forward by uh, the American Heart Association and ACLS and the treatment for uh, torsades is intravenous uh, magnesium sulfate. Typically you give two grams of uh, IV bolus followed by an infusion of two to four milligrams per minute. As we said, the hypokalemia will predispose someone and is considered a risk factor for the development of torsades, so obviously you want to give the patient supplemental potassium to get potassium uh, between 4.5 to 5. And any medication that is known to prolong the QT or interfere with those drug's metabolism needs to be discontinued. Overdrive transvenous pacing Will certainly uh, uh, shorten the QT and is uh, highly effective in preventing its recurrence. And uh, should be certainly could be considered in cases where the patient is refractory to the magnesium or in cases where the torsades is precipitated by uh, cardiac pause or bradycardia. If you don't have uh, a temporary pacing available or while you're trying to get ready for transvenous pacing, isoprel or um is a, a consideration but uh, isoproteranol is contraindicated in patients who have a congenital long QT syndrome uh, or in patients who have uh, ischemic heart disease because of its ability to increase myocardial oxygen consumption. That concludes uh, this very brief talk on a drug-induced uh, QT prolongation. I hope this provides some light into what seems certainly for our residents sometimes to be a rather nebulous uh, a problem that, in my opinion, gets um, overlooked all too often in the intensive care unit. You've been listening to the podcast, Surgery IC Rounds. My name is Jeff Guy. I'm an associate professor of surgery at uh, Vanderbilt University Medical Center and director of the burn center there. Um, our website is uh, www.BurnDoc.com The uh, uh, formal uh, burn units Uh, website is www.vuburncenter.com, and all of these um, podcasts are archived on the uh, website www.icurounds.com. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day.